you're listening to The Enlightened Podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah Jane, and I'm a gentle chiropractor, holistic counsellor, energetic worker, intuitive guide, and yoga and meditation teacher. I'm the host and creator of The Enlightened Podcast, and I'll be bringing you stories of resilience, consciousness, healing, the human experience, and just how trauma, loss, and grief can shape us to be more compassionate and more empathetic human beings than ever before. These stories are for the highly sensitives, the empaths, and those wanting to hear a unique approach to holistic health. Hey, welcome everyone to this episode. I'm very, 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 very excited to record this one because I've got my beautiful friend Celeste joining me today. We had a few (laughs) technical issues, but we got there in the end. So I'm excited that we're actually recording it. And um, I guess I'll just start off by saying I first met Celeste after finding her Instagram account last year. Um, her Instagram account's Tim and Celeste. And yeah, I, it was the first time I saw something in social media that resonated, I guess, with my story personally. And I met her last year when my mum was still in intensive care. And I had just had my fourth miscarriage whilst mum was in her coma. And I remember going out to meet Celeste during this time at at this beautiful little cafe and oh, she's just so stunning and she brought me the most beautiful bunch of flowers and I just thought you can really tell the character of someone when they are also going through probably the hardest time of their life yet they still managed to do something kind for a stranger and I was a stranger basically at that point even though we had chatted a little bit online but I think we connected pretty instantly and um, we'll delve a little bit deeper into that in this podcast and then you'll understand why um, Celeste is so special to me so hello Celeste hello thank you what a lovely intro thanks for having me on (laughs) thank you for joining me I'm glad we got there in the end Um, too two non-tech savvy individuals oh, trying to work some things out. We got there in the end. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> so tell everyone a little bit about your Instagram account, Tim and Celeste, which I'm just talking about, and also I guess your um, YouTube videos that relate to this page and I guess what's the meaning behind you starting them and, yeah, it's just so people get a little bit of an insight as to what I'm talking about here. Yeah, so for the past six years. My husband, Tim, and I have been trying to have a baby. And four years ago, I began documenting our journey through infertility and loss on YouTube and Instagram. Um, Originally, I created the YouTube channel when I realized our journey to baby wasn't going to be as simple as we had hoped it would be. And at the time I uploaded my first video, uh, it would have been in 2016, I had endured my first missed miscarriage around 18 months prior and hadn't been able to fall pregnant for over a year following that miscarriage. And with no one around me who had struggled to fall pregnant, I was in desperate need to just find others and connect with others who understood what it was like Um, because it can be so isolating. I'd watched other YouTubers who'd been quite open about their experiences through miscarriage and or infertility and knowing I wasn't alone was a huge comfort to me. And I wanted to be able to kind of provide that for others as well. 
build connections and share knowledge and I guess just create a sense of community um and because infertility and miscarriage are such taboo topics trying to navigate through the complexity of all the emotions alone is a lot um yeah and it can just make you feel really isolated and um yeah I also found it quite therapeutic to film and create the videos and kind of process a lot of what was consuming my mind while I was talking um so it just became a bit of a positive outlet for me Um, it's so beautiful to watch them and your videos um yeah I think that's how I actually found you on Instagram because I was watching your video um that you guys uploaded about the DQ alpha match which for those at home is a little bit (laughs) confusing to understand but it's basically when um it's there's an immune response activated um within the woman's body as a response to the husband's um sperm and the uterus having similar genetic makeup which as a result um activates yeah an immune response which Mm. can result in either miscarriages recurrent miscarriages or um the inability to um fall pregnant um in eventually um Mm. which what Celeste kind of described a little bit there for her and her end but yeah just maybe um familiarize yourself with that topic it's a hard topic even for us to understand um as two women who have that diagnosis um with their partners it's a complicated (laughs) one (laughs) you know most people are like well does that mean that he's your brother or (laughs) what do you mean you have similar genetic makeup with him no um it's it's we're not related it's just a a you know, a, a thing that can happen to mm. couples, unfortunately. And um, it's just one of those things that many people don't know about until they have to know about, mm, yeah. you know, not many people know that there's even an immune response um, to protect the embryo or the baby um, in in their body. So, you know, you end up being a little bit of a, an expert and like you said, uh, sharing knowledge in this area. And infertility is a really tough one because it's tough on so many different levels, but I guess um, for you and I, it's affected our financial lives, our social lives, um, our relationships, uh, I guess every every level that it could affect it has. Mm, and, it's like a ripple um, effect. <laughs> it really is mm. and not necessarily a, um, an enjoyable one at times, as you know, and um, you touched on a little bit there about feeling isolated at times and even in the infertility world, it can be quite isolating because you're not usually, I guess, the specific case within infertility either. So mm. it can be a bit challenging with that as well. But I guess the next question I just want to find out a little bit more about and for everyone else as well, why did you decide to be so open about, you know, the struggles to fall pregnant and your losses? And why do you think there is still a a stigma associated with these topics when we are in 2020 and, you know, families are made a little bit differently um, to the way that maybe they were, you know, 20 years ago, even um, surrogacy only was made um, legalised, I think, around 10 years ago in general. And we talk a little bit more about that and your um, journey in regards to surrogacy soon. But why do you think there's still such a a stigma and, and why did you want to be open about it knowing that there is still a stigma associated with these topics at the moment I guess I feel like a lot of women and even men probably feel a lot of shame when it comes to not being able to make a baby as easily as you know it often feels like the world everyone around you is falling pregnant so easily um 
And it's probably something that a lot of people don't feel comfortable discussing, which is maybe what makes it, which is why there maybe is a stigma surrounding infertility and loss. Um, But I hope with social media and the fact that more and more people are opening up and sharing their stories that hopefully it'll encourage others to do the same. Um, And even if that just means sharing with a close friend or trusted family member, um, you know, it's, it's, I guess, hopefully the more people who talk about their experiences, the more of a ripple effect it'll have and the, the stigma will eventually fade. But, um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to help others feel less alone because I knew what that felt like and I knew what a positive effect other YouTubers had on me. Um, even Instagram accounts discovering other people's stories and um, there's definitely a comfort that comes with knowing you're not alone. Uh, And trying to break the stigma was one of the reasons I actually decided to write my book. Um, I just wanted to help spread awareness and give the more difficult stories like ours and many others a voice. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and you do that so beautifully. We'll talk a little bit more about your amazing book soon. But I think, um, yeah, just like you said, the fact that there is a stigma is why I try to share my story as Mm -hmm. well because um, even though we are talking about it and there are a lot of accounts and things like that to help people these days, there are still a lot of people who don't tell anyone. Um, There's a lot of people around you that you may or may not know are struggling with infertility or having a baby as well. Um, So, you know, it's it's quite challenging um, Mm. to be as open and, you know, it's and be as vulnerable in a space where I guess sometimes everyone has an opinion and mm-hmm. usually people who haven't had the struggles that you may or may not have faced um, are the ones usually with, you know, certain opinions about what you should or shouldn't be doing. Mm. Um, and I know that that can be off. challenging. Yeah, yeah. that <laughs> puts people off from sharing because, you know, people have all sorts of advice that could possibly trigger you and... Um, it's just not helpful in the moment. So I think that maybe is another reason why people aren't so open. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, I've seen it before in regards to, you know, you did this um, article, I think, was it for, which was it for The Age? Yeah, it was The Age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you and Tim did this, Tim's Celeste's amazing husband, um, they did this article and shared their um, story within it. And even then to see some of the comments, you know, it, it, it is um, hard to digest and hard to read at times because um, you're commenting through a keyboard to someone who's a real person mm. and someone who's, you know, being brave enough to share their story and I think we could all work a little bit better and not being as judgmental um, of others and I think, you know, that does come with the fact that many people do find it easy to create families so it's quite hard for them to understand. Easy for them to why, say. Yeah, maybe why Why aren't you able to do that? Um, so, yeah, Celeste is really an advocate in, in this area and um, that's why I look up to her so much because she is so brave and oh, um, courageous. Yeah, well, you really are. Mm-hmm. So next question. What do you think, and I know you've had a long journey and maybe you can give everyone a little I guess, a brief introduction in terms of your journey to date Mm -hmm. um, about what that has included for you and Tim and 
maybe, yeah, some of the hardest parts about it to date as well. Yeah. I mean, there have been so many hard parts about our journey. Um, I think the main one for me has just been coming to terms with our reality being very different to what I'd always hoped and planned. Uh, For me, growing up, I just knew I wanted to be a mother. It's the one thing I've always known for sure. So it's just each step of our journey has been very challenging and and there's just always been a different hurdle to overcome and a new reality to kind of come to terms with, like miscarrying that was not on our radar when we started trying in 2014 and being told we needed IVF to have a baby. That was heavy news to process. IVF not working, um, that was another thing that we just didn't, you know, you don't assume it's going to work, but you do go into doing IVF with a lot of hope. Um, having to consider other family building options that we never thought we'd need to think about, like sperm donor and surrogacy and embryo donation. So I think the hardest part is just dealing with all the grief, just grieving the idea that it would be easy and that we'd just get pregnant and have a baby, grieving the loss of each miscarriage, the loss of precious embryos, the idea of having genetically linked children and grieving the idea of not being the one to carry your own baby there's just so much trauma and stress that surround infertility and loss and it's definitely a lot do you have time for me to run you down run yeah please do I think it's important I think it's important so people can see just how resilient you are as well um because I don't feel resilient, but I well, guess it's you just, are. It's just you have no other choice, do you? You just keep no. going. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess to give a super quick rundown of our journey today, I fell pregnant pretty quickly after just three months of trying in 2014, and we had our first missed miscarriage at around 10 weeks. Um, 13 months later, after not falling pregnant post miscarriage, I went in for my first laparoscopy. Um, hysteroscopy surgery where we were given the news that my fallopian tubes were blocked which was quite a shock Um, but then a couple of weeks after that surgery I found out I was pregnant which was another massive shock because we'd just been told that IVF would be our only option to have a baby Um, but sadly that pregnancy ended in another missed miscarriage in Feb 2016 And 2016 turned out to be the year of five miscarriages in total. Um, We also did two IVF egg collections that year and a few failed embryo transfers. We then spontaneously fell pregnant again in August. Um, But September 2016, we miscarried. And that was actually the last time I was pregnant. So I haven't been pregnant since then, which is almost four years ago, which is just crazy to me to even think about it, that that much time has passed. Um, And quite a massive chunk of our journey has been classified as unexplained infertility, which is not a fun place to be. Uh, It was during this year of multiple miscarriages that our very close friend and neighbour, Liv, offered to be our gestational surrogate for the first time, uh, which moved us beyond words. Um, at that stage in our journey we weren't really ready or in a place to move forward with that as there were still things that we hadn't tried um, or investigated 
but it was definitely a comfort to know her offer was there for you know it's a possible option for the future if things were to continue to fail Uh, and then in 2017 we saw a new specialist sought a second opinion Um, we did our third IVF egg collection cycle where we got one PGS normal embryo Uh, and at that stage in our journey we had discovered that I have elevated natural killer cell levels Um, so for that transfer we did an immune suppressing protocol so I was on intralipids, a high dose steroid, clexane, progesterone, baby aspirin Uh, but sadly that embryo didn't take at all and so that was um, really discouraging I think feeling like we'd treated the natural killer cells Um, yeah just again no answers I had another laparoscopy surgery shortly after that and was told my fallopian tubes weren't damaged after all they were perfectly healthy and fine uh, for two years I believed they were so it was also the reason we did IVF in the first place so that was a lot to process um, and we at the end of that year beginning of 2018 I think it was actually we saw another specialist and discovered my husband and I share the DQ alpha gene which you touched on earlier um, which I believe is the reason for our years of failures, despite the controversy surrounding this alloimmune implantation dysfunction diagnosis. Um, And we did the LIT treatment shortly after, but our frozen embryo transfer was cancelled because we lost my incredible mother-in-law very unexpectedly and losing her just shook our world, continues to, and she was a massive source of love and support for us so we just needed a big chunk of time to grieve Um, and at the same time of losing Tim's mum my dad was diagnosed with motor neuron disease which is one of the most horrifically cruel terminal illnesses Um, so it was just a lot of grief we just had a lot to process I guess and needed to take a break from IVF treatments um, and it was at the end of 2018 that we decided to move forward with gestational surrogacy. Um, amazingly, Liv's incredible offer still stood, and we were so thankful for that. Um, she is one amazing human being. Yeah, yeah. she definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we just reached a point of just not wanting to waste any more precious time, um, especially with my dad unwell. And it didn't really matter to us how we became parents. You know, we'd been trying at that point for four years and I'd lost all faith in my body. I believe at that point we just needed to try something different. We needed to go down a different road. And so, yeah, 2018 we decided we would start that journey and we realised we needed to bank more embryos create more embryos so my husband did the sperm DNA fragmentation test um, which came back with 30% of the sperm being fragmented which is quite high so that led to all the vitamins and antioxidant supplements you could think of as well as making all the lifestyle changes for a good six months prior to our fourth IVF egg retrieval Um, 
eventually, finally, when we got to that IVF cycle, we received results we were not expecting, zero fertilisation, our worst results yet. And you can imagine how discouraged we were after all the hard work, effort and money spent. I think we were spending around $300 every fortnight on vitamins alone. So to get that result was pretty crushing. Um, And it turned out our clinic thought I'd been triggered too early and that my eggs just hadn't been ready for collection. So we tried again a couple of months later and were left with three frozen embryos, two confirmed. PGS normal and one unknown. So that was our best cycle to date. Uh, And that's when we began the gestational surrogacy process in November last year. And in March of this year, we were granted approval to move forward. Um, Yay! yay. Yes, that was a wonderful (laughs) Which isn't simple for people out there, you know. (laughs) It's not an easy process at all. Far from simple. So Mm. much involved. um, that yep. maybe we can touch on in a little bit as well. But, yes, yeah, keep was, going, sorry. No, no, yeah. So that was a big, um, there were a lot of hurdles leading up to that point. So that was a big celebratory day. Um, and thankfully we were able to transfer one of our perfect PGS-tested embryos prior to our clinic closing its doors due to coronavirus. Um, but sadly that embryo just didn't stay with us. And um, I think that was just... We we had hoped, obviously, that surrogacy would be our answer and hoped it would work straight away. Um, obviously, there are so many factors that are out of everyone's control, including the fertility specialist and clinics. So um, it's it's been a lot to process that. Uh, and that kind of brings us up to date, really. A couple of weeks ago, Liv did the ERA test, which is the endometrial receptivity analysis test um, and that'll tell us when her receptive window is to determine the best time for an embryo to be transferred. Um, So we're hoping we'll get those results in the coming weeks and the plan is to transfer our one remaining PGS tested embryo in August. So that's kind of a Mm. a bit of a a quick rundown. (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't laugh. I can't help but laugh and I don't know why. Um, It's, it's, I'm not, I'm oh, laughing literally because it's so unbelievable as you were laughing in the sense of when you I guess you have to laugh, that. otherwise just going to cry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, oh, I have no words. Every time you were describing something, my head mm. would just shake because it's just unbelievable. And, you know, even in the infertility world, um, your story is still quite an unbelievable story as well. There, there are other journeys which do um, go through something similar as well, but mm. it, it's still... Every um, journey is unique, isn't it? Every journey is unique. Mm. And, you, you know, yours has um, been going on since 2014 and, you know, you, you do break all those um, moulds in the sense of you guys were young, you are healthy, mm. still are young mm. and healthy, you know, all of I these was, things. And Yeah, I was 26 when we started trying, so... It's just you don't expect it to take this long, do you? No, no, you don't. And I think, you know, you described it pretty well in the sense of it being a grieving process. That's Mm -hmm. the best way I can describe it too. Yeah. Um, And, you know, grief on so many levels that you can't even understand Mm -hmm. until you're placed in the position and then also um, 
for those listening, I've had five recurrent miscarriages um, for a similar diagnosis to Celeste, even though that it is um, quite controversial still, um, but both of us were completely unexplained in every other way. Um, all my other tests always came back pretty much perfect. Um, my hysteroscopy, perfect. Laparoscopy, perfect. Mm. Embryos, um, we made eight perfect PGS-tested embryos. And for those who don't know what that means, um, that basically means that they're tested and sent overseas to make sure that they're chromosomally normal. So, you know, the only diagnosis we've ever received that tends to make any sense is is the DQ-alpha as well. Um, but, yes, it is a controversial um, diagnosis in that sense. But, you know, um, science and evidence tends to be a little bit um, tricky in this world in mm. itself, um, and that's part of the confusion when you are a patient as well is that you can see so many different specialists or with different opinions and different ways of treating. Um, so it can be quite confusing to navigate your way through when you have been labelled that unexplained um, mm -hmm. diagnosis and that's always challenging too because we all want a reason for it to make sense in order to move through that grieving process and um, you spoke about losing Kath and your dad becoming ill as well and that's why Celeste's story really um, I guess touches my heart because I was going through a similar thing and still am going through somewhat of a similar thing to um, Celeste in regards to that. So I feel very, very um, blessed to have found her page and found her because there's not too many people who I guess can understand my journey and like Celeste said, they are all unique. But We're definitely um, in the minority, that's for sure. <laughs> We're always in that wrong side of the yeah. statistics, Celeste. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, moving forward, even though Celeste says she doesn't feel resilient, um, she is resilient. And I think at times it would be strange to feel that way. Um, you know, many people say, oh, you're so strong and mm. all of those kind of things. But like you said, you don't have a choice. I and think it doesn't make you stronger, this journey. I think it makes you realise your strength. Um, but it's definitely when people say, oh, it'll make you stronger, it's just there's nothing further from the truth, I think. I, I don't feel stronger. <laughs> no. I think you realise your strength and you, you, you know, you get through because you have no other choice. Um, but, yeah, I definitely, I'm not strong all the time, that's for sure, and I don't think anyone is. That's just, it's, we're all human. Um, we are, and. That's when I usually message you. <laughs> when I'm having a tough time, I'm like, Celeste! You know, so Celeste is one of those people who's a support system for me. So I am very, very lucky to no, have her for likewise. that. Because, um, yeah, there's just not many people that you can share this with who I guess um, it's hard for other family and friends to watch you going through this as well. Mm. Um, and so sometimes it is great to have that support from another I guess, like-minded um, person going through a, a journey so much, somewhat similar. Yeah, there's only so much they can hear you talk about as well. <laughs> yeah. They understand. Um, so, yeah, I think finding a good support system is vital when you're going through something like infertility and recurrent miscarriage and, you know, just struggling to have get pregnant. Um, finding that support system is everything. Yeah, it's how you make it through, I think. And Absolutely. you were talking about grieving, you know, um, obviously so many aspects in terms of embryos that didn't take or didn't 
work or um, babies that you've lost or family members falling ill or family Mm. members passing away unexpectedly. But do you ever kind of grieve your old self as well? Like um, do you ever kind of look back at your wedding photos and think, wow, that person, that woman had no idea what was about to come her way, what kind of heartaches she was or journey she was about to endure and do you think you sometimes grieve the old you before this as well? Because I know for me at times that I kind of miss the person I was before infertility and loss because I just had a different outlook in life in many different ways. Mm. Um, you know, I thought the world was fair and if I'm a good person, good things will happen to me and um, if I just manifest hard enough or if I just um, think positive enough about it that it will happen and when you get so many things, <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. when you get so many things, um, and like you described it, constant hurdles over such a long period of time, mm-hmm. um, it can be very challenging to keep coming at it from a positive way. Um, so, do you sometimes grieve the old you or the yeah, old Tim? Or for sure, yeah. Our seven-year wedding anniversary was just two months ago, and I wrote an Instagram post about about this. And just the disbelief that infertility and loss has consumed six of our seven-year marriage, which is a lot, and it's a lot of stress. It's not what we envisioned for the first few years of our marriage, and it's definitely taken a toll on both of us, mentally, physically, financially. Um, Thankfully, it hasn't pulled us apart because I know that's quite common with couples going through these kinds of issues but there's no doubt that I'm a changed person I've got different perspectives on the world um I've always been quite a sensitive soul and sympathetic and um even even before I'd experienced pregnancy loss myself I felt the pain of others very deeply but until you've gone through it you just there's no way you can truly understand what it's like but it definitely breaks you down um, and it can be hard to keep going, you know? Yeah. 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 I do unfortunately know that mm. and, you know, um, we touched a little bit on the surrogacy process beforehand mm. but what many people may or may not realise about that is what that entails here in Australia. You know, someone has to offer to be your surrogate here in Australia. Um, they then have to go through counselling sessions and so does the um, the intended parents also, um, which obviously I, I benefited from and many people benefit from. Um, but then there's also other aspects like psychological assessments, uh, legal aspects, because what many people don't realise is when um, Celeste and Tim's baby will be born, it will be born under... Um, Liv and her partner's name on the birth certificate rather than Tim and Celeste. So you then have to apply for a parentage order um, to get the baby then placed in your name um, once the baby's born. So you also have to go up against a panel called the patient review panel, which then um, look at all of these things and decide whether it is okay for you to proceed with treatment. Um, So it it can be a very, um, parts of it are obviously necessary, but it can be a humiliating and tough um, journey and very expensive journey in itself Mm. on top of a journey that's already been very expensive and time-consuming and um, I guess emotionally um, draining at times as well. But, Mm. yeah. Yeah, so very overwhelming, um, the whole process. 
there's a lot to to think about and even the patient review panel you know you're sitting in front of 10 people and needing to answer all of their questions in the way that they want you to answer them or they just it's it's very intimidating it's a really bad job interview <laughs> yeah and it's and there's a lot of a lot writing on it you know you've spent thousands tens of thousands of dollars before the hearing to even get approval and if you get, don't get approval it's all money gone and and time and and i guess that dream of doing surrogacy as well um yeah it's it's very intense (laughs) it it definitely can be Mm -hmm. um the other thing I just wanted to ask as well for me you know many people have said things like why don't you guys guys just adopt or Mm. you know without people understanding the actual process of adoption within Australia as well or why don't you um just foster or why don't you uh, no, don't worry about it. You can have my kids if you want, or mm-hmm. they're not that great. Just travel and drink, and you know all these um, comments, which are obviously coming from beautiful intentions, but mm. at times can be adding to um, someone's pain a little bit. Mm. What advice? What, how could someone support a friend or family member going through infertility or loss in a way? I guess that's not. Um, giving advice or minimising maybe what they're going through without, I guess, them knowing what they're actually going through? How can they support someone? I think the biggest thing is to just listen, you know, listening without needing to have all the answers and without needing to feel like you, you, without feeling the need to respond because there's so many things that are said with good intention but it just doesn't help in the slightest and, like you said, it's just I think talking about it helps and finding someone who will listen is everything. But I think the biggest comment I get, biggest comment that irritates me that I get on social media is just adopt. And it's and I don't think I've had any friends or family say that to me, but it is a very ignorant thing to say or have you tried or have you thought about, you know, when you've been going through this journey for so long and it has consumed every little second of your days for years, of course you've thought about every possible option to get that baby and, yeah, I guess it just, it doesn't, you know, just relax. I've had that a few times. Just be patient. It does belittle what you're going through. Um, And even everything happens for a reason. That's also a difficult one to hear. I was just about to say that one. That one can be challenging and then also it's just wasn't meant to be. can be challenging as well because, you know, in our society, if someone who was, like someone had just lost their auntie, for instance, you wouldn't say to that person it was just meant to be. No. Um, so sometimes some of the comments are just people not really sure how to, sorry. how to say things, how to say things in a way that might be, I don't know, um, assisting the person going mm-hmm. through that process. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it's also perspective, what you've been through. Because I may, when I was younger, I might have agreed with, the phrase everything happens for a reason but until I experienced loss and especially after I lost Tim's mum 
I just, there's no positive, there's no good reason for something so heartbreaking to happen, you know. It's hard to believe that, that phrase. You know, life just happens. Thing, bad things happen to good people and it's just the way it is and it's shit. Excuse my French. <laughs> it <laughs> it just is shit. Is. I love how when I asked you to be on the show, you're like, what are we going to be talking about? Just how shit this boat is. And I was like, yes, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what we're going to be talking about. Because, you know, again, it's a misunderstanding in our society of how people deal with mm-hmm. with grief, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, be grateful for what you do have. Things like that can be really hard for someone to hear. And oh, yeah. it's also insinuating that you're not grateful for the good things in your life because you're upset about something when, of course, like the you are grateful. Baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're allowed to grieve the loss of your baby. Like, um, uh, you know, for example, with my mum getting sick, I will never be grateful for my mum being sick, mm. ever. There will never be a time that I'm grateful that my mum had a one-in-a-million autoimmune brain disease. That just won't ever happen in my life. Mm. Am I grateful that I had an amazing mother for 68 years of my life? Yes, I am. Um, am I grateful that she is alive even though at times it can be very challenging on other ways because she is brain damaged yeah I am but I'll never be grateful for the fact that she got this illness and I'll never be grateful for the fact that I've lost five babies I just won't ever be grateful for that and that's okay too um but you know we in this society we strive so much to try and find that silver lining or that um, thing to be grateful for almost instantaneously. When sometimes and it just needs space to be crap. Exactly. Because and that's it all it is. Exactly. So uh, for me, um, you know, will maybe I look back in, you know, 20 years' time if I am lucky enough to have a baby, would I ever wish that I didn't have that job? No. Do I ever wish the other ones um, may, or mo- may or may not have worked. I don't know what I would wish for if I am lucky enough to become a parent one day. But I will never, ever be grateful for what I've gone through and what my husband has gone through. Um, that just won't happen for us. Mm. I think I was a pretty compassionate and caring person <laughs> prior mm. to this. As it opened my eyes in different ways, of course it has. And has it made me a better person in certain aspects? Certainly. But it also has... Um, change me in aspects that I sometimes wish it hadn't too Mm. Um, and I think you've touched on that as well so Mm. you know I think sometimes people just need someone there not someone what did I have someone say to me once have you tried blueberries I think someone said to me or pineapple yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like you said it does consume your whole life like I used to spend hours upon hours googling Mm -hmm. you know I've spent hundreds on vitamins like you have I've um, done acupuncture, Chinese herbs, reflexology, naturopathy, homeopathy, fertility specialist, um, steroids, LIT, tacrolimus, naltrexone, IVIG, mm. uh, intralipids. The list goes on. It's more than that. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what I remember right now. Um, so also being a holistic health practitioner, I found it exceptionally challenging because I thought um, – that I could fix this mm. somehow um, and come into the realisation that there was nothing I could do to fix this was mm. really hard. And I think you um, described this at times too that 
it, pretty much anything else in your life you could have worked towards and if you kept trying, you know, you could get better at it and mm. you'd eventually get a reward, you know. Um, with infertility, that's just not the case. It's not what you put in, you get back. Mm. Um Exactly and that right. had been very challenging for me as well because I was always like, well, if you just work hard, if you just don't give up, if you just um, do all the things, then it will happen or maybe there's stuff I need to work on emotionally and that's why my body can't do this. I went and saw womb healers. Like <laughs> yeah. I did so much stuff yeah. um, and it's not ever going to change the genetic combination of my uterus and my husband's sperm. It's just never going to happen. Mm. Um the so, relinquishing the control, that's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely is. It still is tough. Mm. I'm still working on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me, let me know when you get there. <laughs> I don't know if I will either. <laughs> um, you also talked about how you and Tim have, you know, obviously stayed strong throughout this together and, like you said, many couples don't I think what is it an increase of 50% in terms of divorce rate if you've gone through infertility I think it's something like that yeah it's something really really high yeah yeah and how do you think um I guess you guys have survived this together I think for us it comes down to communication just talking I'm I'm lucky in that I have a husband who's quite sensitive and he's able to easily talk about his feelings I know it's not the case for a lot of men they struggle with that Um, but just being there for one another however that looks and honoring where the other person is at mentally Um, take breaks if you need to breaks are really it's a hard thing to take a break because it's the last thing you want to do when you're trying to have a baby and you also feel that biological clock ticking in a lot of cases and so Sometimes that's just the last thing you want to do, but sometimes it's the best thing you can do to reconnect and recenter yourselves and your relationship and just prioritizing each other and doing things that bring each of you joy, I guess. Um, trying to shift your, your focus away from just the goal of wanting to have a baby and because you do, you get so consumed. I know I've said it so many times, but it just totally consumes you. And sometimes that taking that step back is so important, I feel like. Yeah. Mm. It's so easy to be consumed by. I think that's also related to the fact that it is out of your control and also because we did have these ideas that it would go a certain way or an mm. expectation of how our life would go. And it's almost human nature to be presented with the problem so to speak that means so much to you that you just want to try and fix it and I think even with unexplained infertility when it's unexplained there's no answer for me I've wanted I've always jumped online and tried to research as much as I can obviously from reputable sources but um it's just again wanting to find a reason and discover a solution that will allow you to move forward Uh, and when doctors just say kind of dump you in the unexplained infertility category that's a really difficult thing to accept when there's in my I say it a lot there's no no such thing as unexplained infertility there's always a reason it's just a matter of finding the right doctor who's willing to dig a little deeper 
to work out what the reason is. And so I think that can be quite consuming, trying to look for answers and, yeah, I think you need to also take a break from that as well um, at times. Yeah, to mm. keep your sanity. I to know keep that your sanity, to. exactly right. <laughs> Um, you know, I suppose for us, we were married for quite a long time before this happened for us. We were married, I think, six or seven years before this happened. So mm. we really had developed our relationship quite strongly before we were hit with two massive hurdles over two years. Like many people are talking about 2020 being the hardest year for them yet. I'm like, this is a breeze compared to 2019 for me. For sure. Um, yeah. In the sense of, you know, um, yeah, within a year, losing five um, pregnancies as well mm. as the fourth while my mum was in intensive care who, um, for those who don't know, um, with acute demyelination in myelitis, which is called ADEM. Um, and my mum and I, she was my best friend in this whole world. She still is just in a different way now. Um, but, yeah, it's that for me, uh, I couldn't, I could never have foreseen that year mm. um, and I could, yeah, I think like you, Tim and I were together for five years before we were married Um, and so we also had quite a strong um, foundation, I guess, before going into this and we'd already been through certain challenges um, with mental health and and things like that. So we were definitely a strong unit going into it, which I think helped as well um, to go through even more hurdles that life had in store. <laughs> um, Which hopefully ends soon. I bloody well hope so. <laughs> I want some good news oh, for you guys. You know. I'm hanging for some good news and um, I always, yeah, you, you know, too. I really, really hope that this happens for you guys and mm. I still am very hopeful that it will. Now, I just wanted to um, ask you a bit about the book because you spoke a little bit about it before, but your beautiful book, Little Dream, um, for those of you who know anyone experiencing infertility or loss or having had a hard journey yourself, this is a must-have book and um, I'm sure Celeste wrote it for this reason as well. There's no, just not many books out there that actually talk about um, how it can be challenging for a, a baby or a child to come into this world and this book does touch on that. So I just want you to talk a little bit more about what the book's about and why you decided to write it. Yeah, like I said earlier, I think I just wanted to help spread the awareness and give our stories a voice. Um, Every bookshop I would go into, there'd be heaps of books about welcoming a new baby into the family, but quite often zero books about babies who finally arrive after a lot of effort and heartache. And it's a story I wrote to be read to a longed-for baby to help explain how very loved and wanted they've always been. Um, And it's a story that kind of applies to any form of family building. I didn't really want to discriminate. Um, And it's a way of me to kind of of honour those whose line to baby has been far from straight. (laughs) Um, And it was actually a wonderful outlet for me as well, creating the book and a way for me to turn an otherwise pretty crappy situation into something more positive and and special for the community um like I've always said I've if by sharing our story it helps at least one person then it will have given our pain a purpose and I did feel the same I do feel the same way about about my book um and it's been wonderful to see all of the feedback and 
hear how much the book means to so many people. Um, it's been a very busy six months since it was released. It's now in 32 countries around the world, which just blows my mind. And I'm currently getting the second edition printed, which also blows my mind. So I've sold over a thousand copies and um, I guess it just goes to show how a book like that means to families who go through this journey. Um, And it's also been a book that people have bought for their friends or family members going through infertility to show their support, which I thought was really special as well. Um, Yeah, so it kind of gives a bit of insight into what it can be like, even for people who haven't lived through it. Yeah, and it's the most beautiful book with the most, um, I guess the illustrations just really add to it as well. And Celeste just is a beautiful writer. Thank you. Um, I worked with a beautiful illustrator. She is in the Netherlands and uh, we worked closely for around a year. It was probably under a year. But, um, yeah, it was such a beautiful process and I feel like it was something I needed mentally as well at the time, Um, a good distraction for me. I love the badges as well. There's little badges as the characters which I just love and there's little touches throughout the book that um uh reflections of celeste and tim's um life in reality as well such as um there's a beautiful page in there um with is it Cass' um living room or yeah yeah so Cass' living room kath is tim's mom and we would spend every weekend with her we lived with her while we were saving to build our house for I think it was about three years. <laughs> she was just that, I know, but it was so beautiful and she had a big enough house where we weren't on top of each other. But um, just such a beautiful energy and I have, you know, I've, I'm a different person because of her. She's definitely spiritually helped me in a number of different ways and continues to even though she's not here. But it was important for me to honour her in the book and I actually gave the illustrator a photograph of the lounge room at her house which the house is no longer in the family but she copied the photograph exactly and matched it and um, that illustration I think it means the most to me because it's (laughs) coming to the realisation that she'll never hold our children was uh, something that I still struggle with um coming to that coming to terms with that and um that's why that illustration just meant so much to me just seeing her hold our future baby hopefully um and reading a story to our baby on the couch that I'd always hoped she would so yeah it's definitely a story written from the heart um and I think it's I've also heard from many people who have lost their mother or even father and have told me how much that page means to them as well. Um, so, yeah, it's just comforting to know we're all in it together, I guess, and there are, you're not alone. You're never alone. Mm. It's my favourite page in the book as well, which is why is I just asked you about it because oh. I just think it's, yeah. I, I love sent. I'm a sucker for anything sentimental, Celeste, and everything yeah. you do is sentimental. 
Yeah, very sensitive. Cry at everything you do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, you were saying that if you could change one person's life that it would all be worth it and you definitely changed Mm -hmm. mine. Oh, you too. You've changed mine as well. I'm very grateful for your support and friendship. We're Mm. very lucky to have each other. Yeah. So just winding up a little bit. Mm. I've got two questions I want to keep asking you, so I will. I'll just do it quickly. But. What are five words that come to mind when describing infertility and loss to you? Ooh, oh, there are so many. <laughs> um, I think just first, five, Celeste. Yeah, I know. I'll try and keep five. I'll use my fingers so I don't keep going. Um, devastating, exhausting, isolating until you find your community. Um, expensive soul crushing that's kind of two words it's not really one word (laughs) yeah that's five yeah Yeah. describes it pretty well from Mm. my end as well Mm. I think yeah if I had to describe I'd say yeah um sadness Mm -hmm. emptiness Mm -hmm. isolation definitely and you know even with this I think you just tend to isolate yourself because you know most of your friends and family all have children and that's true um, it, even when you can found, be painful yeah even when you've found the community you still sometimes feel isolated because no one's journey is completely like yours um no no yeah. so isolation definitely was one for me mm-hmm. um angry <laughs> yes definitely I was very angry and I still sometimes do get angry oh, still and a bit bitter of course which I think is okay only natural you know um and then I guess fearful as well like mm-hmm. fearful that it just won't ever happen absolutely That's- um and See- to start visioning my life without ever being a mum now I've done that and had to do that which was hard too yeah that's something that I've struggled with and I'm I'm not even at a point where I can bring myself to visualizing that um yeah there's definitely more than five words <laughs> you need more <laughs> oh than five words. we could have just been the whole podcast on that yeah um the words describing it but yeah I think you know it it's a journey that I never would have understood either had I not been on it and uh yeah, soul crushing, like you said, is definitely a way to describe it on so many, so many levels and disheartened mm-hmm. and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But a non-related question, which I have to bring some lightheartedness into our sad stories. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how do you get your makeup and eyeliner so perfect every time? If you watch the less videos and watch her on Instagram, it's ridiculous. She looks perfect, like she's come out of a movie screen oh, from the nineteen. I don't know. <laughs> 20s or 40s or something I'm probably getting that all wrong where she just looks amazing all the time hardly it's far from perfect no. I've had so many people suggest I do makeup tut- tutorials and I just <laughs> laugh because I, I just did not do things the right way I guess maybe I could do like a get ready with me type of thing um, you need to I will get ready with you yes but I think the eyeliner comes down to good good liquid eyeliner and lots of practice <laughs> and it's lighting and it's you know all an illusion <laughs> it's all an illusion yeah. she says no she I've seen her in real life she does it looks just as, she looks perfect in real life she's no, just I, so she does she looks makeup. amazing good makeup it's, 
Mm. Okay, so for the last question, last one. Why is being a mother so important to you and how does this still, I guess, drive you despite all of the pain that you've gone through on so many different mm. levels? My my maternal instinct has always been super strong and I just have always felt destined for motherhood, as crazy as that might sound. Um, there are definitely times I feel tired and so over the struggle um, year after year, seemingly getting nowhere. I, I don't know. I just, I sometimes wonder how many more blows I can take and the fears of the unknowns can definitely be debilitating. Um, but I have never once, I just, I guess for me, like I mentioned, I can't see myself or imagine my life without becoming a mother. My heart and mind is open to the options of family building and we're grateful to have different options even though they're not what we would have imagined ever having to think about but I just feel determined to hold that baby in my arms one way or another however he or she arrives um yeah I guess to answer your question <laughs> it is important to me <laughs> <laughs> and I guess everyone is different, you know. There's like, everyone has their threshold and um, everyone's path is their own and I understand why people reach a point of not being able to go through this anymore because it is a lot. And, um, yeah, I guess I guess I just feel like I, I don't have a choice but to keep going and keep trying until our dream is realized I guess so you have your own little dream yeah. yeah yeah well if everyone could please keep Celeste and Tim in their thoughts for when they go in for them and live of course um their beautiful gestational surrogate which means um carrying Tim and Celeste's biological embryo um if we could all think of them for their up and coming um, transfer whenever that may be around August and mm-hmm. all just keep our fingers and toes crossed that it works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I always am, I don't know, hopeful for you and, yeah, I just hope so much that it happens for you guys. Thanks so much, lovely. Mm-hmm. I hope well, the same for you. I know. I don't know. Everyone's <laughs> like, where are you guys up to? I'm like, I don't know. Stop asking like, I'll, I'll take a baby from a plant at this point, you know, it's a cabbage yeah. patch doll reel. I don't know. But mm. anyway, so it's a it's a tough one, but I just want to thank you so much for joining me um, and so candidly as well. Um, yeah. And, My yeah, pleasure. I thank so appreciate you. it. Thank you for having me. All right, well, we'll chat soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.